Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. I'm excited to talk with my guests today on a special episode brought to you by the Office of Experience, a design-driven, digital-first, vertically integrated, and collaborative agency that believes in the power of ideas and the strength of people. Today, we're going to talk about demystifying platform selection and how taking the right approach enables better strategic alignment, streamlined integration, and a better customer experience. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Brian Jones, CTO, and Kara Bordage, Director of Product at the Office of Experience. Brian and Kara, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hi, Greg. Hey, looking forward to talking with you both here. So um, why don't we start with you both giving a little background on yourselves as well as your roles at the Office of Experience. Great, thanks. Um, I'm the director of product at the Office of Experience. I started basically as the first business analyst about three years ago and have grown, we've grown into a nice big team that is comprised of both business analysts and product manager, product owner skill sets, helping our clients understand their digital requirements and translate them into websites and digital experiences. And I'm Brian Jones. I'm the chief technology officer at OX. Been with the company for about three and a half years, but I've been building content and uh, commerce platforms for over 20 years at various agencies around the globe. Wonderful. Well, yes, let's let's dive in here and in, in our talk about demystifying platform selection. And let's start by talking about platform and strategic alignment. So there's a lot of platforms out there, as we all know, um, that that chief MarTech super graphic, um, I think we're ab- above 11,000 MarTech solutions on it. And I would imagine it's growing. If you add all the AI components to it, I'm sure it's even more. So, um, you know, there's a lot of platforms, but there's also a lot of potential strategic approaches that an organization can take. So, you know, given there's so many choices, there's so many directions that an organization can go. How do you recommend that an organization looks at making sure that their platform aligns with their overarching strategy? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny that that you mentioned that that infographic. I've been <laughs> I've been doing this for been doing this for a long, long time, and um, I think I've been referencing that graphic since it was. I don't know, two to three thousand platforms that were available. So yeah. um, it's 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 pretty interesting to see how that grows. And normally, when we're presenting our our methodology for platform evaluations, I use that that infographic to kind of kick it off. But 
you know, I find that the funny thing about that infographic, while there is, you know, 11 gazillion platforms available out on the market, you know, depending on the size of your company, depending on, on what your strategy is, there's, there's really only a handful when it comes down to like, like a commerce platform, for example, there's really only a handful of players that are really leading the marketplace. And, and, you know, the way we start to kind of like narrow that field down, of course, we, we go into the magic quadrants with Forrester and Gartner and kind of look at, you know, who are, who are the A players, who, who's, who's up in the top right, who are the up, up and comers. So we start there. And then we kind of like, you know, use our experience. We've been doing this for a long time. Kara has been doing this for a long time as well. We have a really senior team of folks that have been implementing uh, CMSs and, and e-commerce platforms for a long time. So then we start to pull our knowledge together and, 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 and discuss pros and cons across e each one of those. And then a lot of that kind of feeds into really two lanes. You have your open source solutions and you have your, propri your proprietary solutions. And then based off that, we have pros and cons that, 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 that come to play, you know, open source, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's some great open source uh, platforms out there. They don't have licensing fees. There's lots of resources available, especially in the PHP world, uh, a lot of community support, but at the same time, there's going to be a lot of customization costs with that. There's no direct support. You're going to have some, you know, some security vulnerabilities and, and lack of documentation on a lot of that stuff. Versus a proprietary where you'll get that support, you'll get the, the vendor set up, you'll have the security, you'll have all the documentation, but it's going to cost you. You're going to pay for that support. You're going to pay the licensing fees. And um, a lot of those proprietary platforms come with proprietary developers. So your costs are going to be more. So you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of each of those as you start to narrow down all these platforms. So then... We started with talking about those organizations that have a strategy and you know have an overarching strategy for for their platforms and their Martech stack and and things like that. What about those organizations that don't necessarily have an overarching strategy? Surely they they have a strategy for their business and and what they want to achieve with customers and, and things like that, but maybe not an overarching strategy for platforms. So. Are there some big questions that they need to answer before they can uh, make a strong platform selection? This is a great question. I actually really enjoy working with clients who understand their overarching strategy, maybe from a business perspective, but don't understand how to translate into that into a platform selection. So lots of things to take into account there. What's their current tech stack? What's their current ability to maintain that tech stack with their development staff, if they even have one? What does their business staff look like that would be able to support this platform? Do they have a merchandising team? Do they have content? Do they have a plan to create that content? All of those things are going to play into what type of platform they need as well as you know, budget. Do they need something big because they have lots of already created, already ready to go pieces of this puzzle put together? Or do they need something smaller that's gonna grow with them as they mature their digital practice? Yeah, and I think, I think just to kind of add on what Kara was saying, you know, I, I think that in the evaluation criteria, whether you have a strategy or not, can be very similar. But I think when you're working with organizations who aren't necessarily digitally mature, 
it's definitely an opportunity to kind of take a step back and look at what that what that crawl, walk, run roadmap is. And, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, recommend an enterprise commerce platform for a company that is just starting to get into selling stuff online. So I think when you kind of look at that, then that really kind of narrows down your platform selection process into other types of vendors, probably more SaaS solutions, more more kind of turnkey off the shelf platforms could, could, could be viable options. But, you know, either way, I think, you know, you have to come at it with the lens of scalability. And, you know, I know that, you know, mock and composable architectures are, you know, headless is all the big, you know, rage right now. And, and, and then, and they definitely have a lot of really great features to them and, and, and a lot of positive things. And you, you know, there's pros and cons to, to, to going in, in, in that direction or going with a more standard monolithic platform. But, you know, either way, you have to look at, at how is that platform going to scale with the business as they start to get a strategy in place, start to become more digitally and organizationally mature. Yeah. So let's, um, let's talk about platform selection now and how doing it effectively can streamline the implementation process and lower time to market, potentially lower total cost of ownership in addition to other benefits. So, you know, when, when you choose the right platform, it, it can help achieve all of these things. What are some of the considerations an organization should have when looking at platform selection and the implementation process? Well, I mean, I would, you know, say, first of all, out of the box. So, and I know this is kind of table stakes now with a lot of these larger platforms, but you really want to focus on what are the key features in this. And, and you know, the stuff that, that, that Kara really focuses on with her team is defining those requirements, building what those key feature sets are. And then we take those, we take that, that matrix that her, her and her team puts together and then we evaluate platforms against that with really an eye on what's what's out of the box versus what is going to be a bespoke implementation on a on a key requirement feature. And and so I think once you start to kind of level set that, that starts to really narrow down the platform selection process as well. Yeah, we're really helping them to look for what their most important uh, features are in order to basically take cash. So what is going to be the biggest revenue drivers? How can we get those up as quickly as possible with as little customization as possible? And then once we have that plan, how can we add value to the site by building on that? And what tools are available and what platforms to help that go quickly as well? Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. 
Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile. That's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. So a lot of the brands, even even large brands, don't necessarily have all of the staff and, and resources in place or subject matter experts in some of these platforms on staff already. And so, you know, agencies and consultancies or systems integrators are often brought in to do much of the integration and implementation work. When is the best time to bring those types of partners into the process when, you know, when the the organization knows that they're going to need them? As soon as possible. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think you'd hear anyone from an agency say that, um, but truly we are there to partner with our clients from the beginning. And sometimes, especially if we're able to come in early in the process, we can kind of look at their business processes, their integration processes from a different lens, from a different angle, and kind of take them out of their day-to-day, we've always done it this way because this is how we do it, and help them innovate and think differently which can lead to hopefully simplified business processes, cost-effective development, and again, choosing the right platform for the requirements that they need to satisfy rather than just recreating how they do things now. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that's really a lot of the value that Kara and her and her team brings to the table is, is bringing that, 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 that outside-in look and, and really helping optimize processes, you know, people, process, and systems is basically what all this comes down to. And, you know, being a part of this process from the very beginning, you know, we also find ourselves facilitating vendor demos. We, 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 you know, not only do we identify and build out the requirements, but we work with the vendors to make sure that their demos are more tailored towards our client's requirements so they can really get a good sense of what that platform is going to bring to the table. And we, we can go as far as helping, you know, we, we work with a lot of our clients to help negotiate licensing fees and to really help um, finalize that, 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 that final decision all the way up to signing a contract. So, you know, I've, I've sat on both sides of this. I mean, I, when I owned an agency, I, I was, I was one of those integrators and implementation partners. And now I work a lot with, with organizations that are doing vendor selection, platform selection, or, you know, writing RFPs and and things. So, you know, there's, I would, I would say there's a lot of like boxes that need to get checked. And, you know, some of those things are like, do they have experience with the platform that we're, that we're using, but, you know, beyond things like that, and maybe some, you know, part gold partner levels or certifications of members of the team, and, you know, some, some things that you just kind of want to double check for and, and make sure that, that the, the agency or consultancy knows what they're doing. Beyond those things, though, what should organizations be looking for in an implementation partner so that they can make a better decision? And, you know, in, in this, Pretty, pretty important partnership to integrate their selected platform. So you talked about all of the tangible things that definitely need to be checked out and made sure that everything's a proper fit. But I think some of the other things that we like to look out for when we are working with a client or a potential partner is cultural fit. So things are going to get tough at some point. We're going to have disagreements on things. 
are we able to do that professionally and respectfully? Are we able to continue to have a positive relationship even when the going gets tough? Implementations at this scale are always stressful and, and there's always more work that needs to be done than time. So how do how does your implementation partner handle that? How do they handle things when uh, changes need to happen? How do they handle things when a business process isn't working the way that they originally scoped it out? And and just how are they working with the, the platform team to get questions answered and to get things done for you for you as a client in your business? Yeah. And I, and, and just to, I mean, I totally agree with that. And just to add on, I mean, it, it really comes down to that collaboration, that, 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 that working relationship you have. And, you know, whenever we embark on, on a replatforming or an implementation, we, we always level set, you know, with, with our, with our clients that this is a journey and things are gonna, things are gonna go sideways. We're going to run into roadblocks and we need to work together in order to, in order to solution that stuff. And and I think that that also leads into creative solutioning. I think when you're looking when you're looking for an implementation partner, creative solutioning is so important because you know, a, a lot of these platforms. I mean, you know, setting up a platform that it, it, it's a pretty straightforward thing. A lot of this stuff, you know, it, it's already it's already there. You set it up on a server, you spin it up, you know, you, you have your environments, everything's, a lot of the stuff is there, but where it really gets tricky is the integrations and the custom, the bespoke features that, that, that almost all these platforms do require. And you have to have people that, that can take themselves out of the, 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 the mindset or, or the, the, the platform box and really look at different ways to implement some of this stuff. Because, you know, I've, I've found working with a lot of implementation vendors is that they really get down into the weeds on this stuff and they don't think, they don't think outside of the platform capabilities when they're trying to solution things. And we've had a lot of clients get frustrated with other partners who, who, who weren't, who weren't helping them solution problems. And so I think that's where we really, we really come in and shine is that we're able to, to be more creative in how we approach a lot of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think to that point and kind of talk about the last topic I wanted to talk about some of those, those problems that come up may be internal related and, you know, internal team related, or you could call it internal customer related even, but a lot of these things, at the end of the day, when we're talking e-commerce platforms, DXPs, all of those things and, and related MarTech platforms, we want to look at the impact on the customer experience. I mean, a, lo- a lot of the investments in transformation are should be and are centered around that. So let's talk about the impact of platform selection on CX. You know, from what you're saying, from, from what you do, you know, where does end customer experience fall on the list of priorities when most organizations are doing things like platform selection? And, and do you think it's the right level of priority? Well, I think, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there, there's two things. You have your end customer and then you have your internal customer. You have the person that's actually using the platform as well. So I think there's two experiences that, that, that you have to weigh. One of the things that I like about 
you know, the, 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 the surgence of headless and, and composable module decoupled architecture is that because these platforms are decoupling themselves with the, the, the UX from the back end, it definitely gives a lot more flexibility to that creative aspect where we can envision different user interfaces in order to transact, whether that be through commerce or through content. And so I think that's definitely opened up a lot of more creative avenues where, where we're able to bring in our creative team and come up with some really great interfaces for our, our clients. So, you know, it really, and, and that's, and that's not dependent on any platform. That's something that we can build out and just, and just, you know, plop that on, on whatever, whatever platform we've, um, we've selected. But another thing that you look at and something that I think platforms like AEM, for example, have done really well is that over the last couple of releases, they've gotten very good at allowing you to customize the authoring process. So that way, you know, how, how you interact with that platform from an administrative level conforms to your workflows and your business, not the other way around. And so I think having that sort of flexibility really helps with um, the internal adoption of that platform within, within the organization as well. And I would say just to add on to that, the way that we really do like to steer our clients is in terms of customer experience, especially for like the the end user, the consumer, is that we like to start with what we know our best practices, get some research in there from user experience perspective if we're able to, and then really work with the client to help them understand that customer experience is never going to be done. It's going to be a constant iterative process based on getting feedback from their customers, getting feedback from their internal stakeholders, and putting up something better as you go. So in terms of priority, I really think that anyone who has customer experience at the top of their list in an iterative way is probably on the right track. If you have customer service on the top of your list, or excuse me, customer experience on the top of your list, because you just want to get it done and check a box and move on, we'd probably try to work with our client to see how we could get them in a different mindset. Yeah, so along along those lines, then I mean, you know, as as you had mentioned, Kara, the you know the these projects are they're often big projects, they're expensive projects, they're they're time consuming and and things like that. And so you know, there's a lot of things that uh, you know not ne- not even necessarily going wrong, but there's a lot of points where tough decisions need to make be made and trade offs may may need to be made and and an iterative process and, and things like that. And so. How do you make sure then, you know, if if customer experience is a priority, then maybe it's a little bit easier with that organization. But if it wasn't originally as much of a priority, how do you keep it top of mind? You know, what what are some ways to to work CX into the considerations when inevitable changes or modifications or, or other things need to be made a- along the, the course of a project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we really try to ensure that everything that they're doing from a customer experience perspective is at least meeting a baseline of best practices for, you know, both experience, accessibility, that kind of thing. And then really trying to help them envision where they can level up without having to sacrifice business process and utilizing the platform 
and what the platform has available to try to help them get there. Well, uh, Brian and Kara, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, I've got one last question for each of you before we wrap up here. So um, you've both given a lot of great advice already. This is certainly, uh, again, it's a it's a big decision when you're choosing a platform and implementing the platform. What's one next best action that you'd each recommend for those listening who may be embarking on a platform selection process soon and want to make sure they are getting off on the right foot? Oh, so we have to we have to boil it down to just one. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so I, I I'll say you know most if not all platform selection processes that I've been involved in have been part of an overall digital transformation within that organization, and and I think what is key is is digital transformation is a top down exercise, and the key thing is to make sure that you have alignment and buy-in from the most senior executive level. And, and, and I think that's really important to make sure that, 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 that this, is, this is a top-down initiative and that all your key stakeholders are all aligned on the same vision and, and all working towards the same goals. Yeah, that's great. The one thing that I would add to that is that it is truly an organizational change. And as important as it is to have the top level executives aligned, you also want to make sure that the people who are going to be working with the tool or the platform on a day-to-day basis are able to get their feedback in early and often on both what is working for them right now and uh, what they want to see in the future. Because success with adoption at that level is going to just really help your organization optimize and hopefully spend less time on maintenance and more time on selling. Yeah. Yeah, t- totally agree with that. I, and I think, you know, just to, to recap there, I mean, it's it's really important to, I think there's a lot of focus on the end customer experience and, and that's really important. But, you know, what I'm hearing here is there needs to also be a lot of focus on that internal customer, those, those teams that are using those platforms every day, because if they can't do their job, then the end customer doesn't get what they need either. So it's, uh, you know, if, if you do it right, it's, it's that win-win. So that's, that's great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Brian Jones, CTO, and Kara Bordage, Director of Product of Office of Experience, for joining the show. And thanks again to the Office of Experience for sponsoring this special episode. You can learn more about Brian and Kara and the Office of Experience by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.